When I was ready for help and wanting change, sincere, honest testimonies helped. But only when I was ready. Until then, no testimony could have helped. Welcome to an Inward Authority podcast. Today we will be discussing biblical and spiritual evidence of testimonies. Verbal and written testimonies are merely signs pointing the way and few will follow them. Let's look closely at Luke 16, 19-31. Read it to yourselves, imagining it is Jesus speaking directly with you. In the story, the rich man didn't understand until he experienced the heat. Within addiction recovery, there are stories of people reaching a bottom, a place where the suffering reaches a low point. Pain and suffering has been the motivation for many to make significant change. And because the suffering is the measurement used to take new action toward improvement, once the suffering is gone and life improves, many relapse. This damage management, or sin management, involves the focus upon self instead of God. Such self-serving ideology has always been the problem. Fearing losing things, things for selfish gains, is based upon selfish ambition. This thinking is not in agreement with serving God through faith. See 2 Corinthians 12.20, Galatians 5.20, and Philippians 1.16. In Philippians 2.3, It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Instructions The Bible is filled with them. We can switch our thoughts toward God. We can train to do God's will and experience the wonderful consequences of doing it. This is the mission of Inward Authority. Simply spending a few minutes every day with the site and podcast will bring thoughts toward growing with God into our minds, hopefully our hearts, which can promote more godly action. If we are not ready to hear the word and commit ourselves to change, it just doesn't happen. In Luke 16, 19-31, the rich man lived amazingly well every day. There was a beggar in the man's presence, desperate for help. The beggar was embraced by Abraham after they died. The rich man was subjected to torment. Many of us chase after more money, thinking it will provide us a better life, but we never understand really what it is to have a wonderful life. We misunderstand what it is to be happy and fulfilled because we keep money as the goal. In reality, Sincere love is the key to fulfillment. The rich man in his misery pleaded to Abraham to let the beggar help him, but because the rich man never helped the beggar, Abraham would not let the beggar help him. Next, the rich man, knowing through the experience of his ever-present suffering, wants to save those who are close to him. He thinks of his brothers. He desperately wants to warn his brothers. The rich man became the beggar. He pleads to Abraham to let Lazarus testify to his brothers what could happen to them. But Abraham reminds the rich man a testimony has already been provided by Moses and the prophets. So here is a thought. Perhaps Jesus is sending us a message that we have stories of Moses and the prophets 
and if we do not listen and obey them, we too might suffer. Back to the story. But the rich man knew his brothers were not responsive to the teachings of Moses and the prophets. He then thinks that if someone rose from the dead that his brothers would listen, because being raised from the dead is so miraculous, his brothers would be more likely to obey. Verse 31 is so powerful. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Isn't this the story of Jesus rising from the dead? And how many people really live their lives obeying Jesus? How many of us put into practice what Jesus said and how Jesus said to do it? Are we applying ourselves with diligence described by Moses, the prophets, Jesus, or God? Would we try harder if we experience great suffering and misery? What motivates us to grow spiritually? Verbal and written testimonies rarely are enough to create change. To understand why this is true required myself to undergo years of training, research, introspection, self-evaluation, self-correction, biblical cooperation. Yes, cooperation. I didn't just read the Bible. I sought out how I could begin training to align my inward being better with it. I was at a point where I was experiencing subtle pieces of misery. I just felt inside like something was missing. I felt like something wasn't right. And as I began taking more action upon the instructions in the Bible, I felt that hole in my core begin to fill. I felt like I was stepping into a training that was right. The battle within me continues. I know this action is right and leads to fulfillment, but parts of myself push against carrying it out. I talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's worth mentioning again. Verbal and written testimonies offer information. It just depends upon where we are inwardly, individually, and how we receive the information, no matter how it is brought. How we listen and take in the information affects how we receive it. How we are inside, angry, lonely, prideful, fearful, doubtful, faithful, anxious, peaceful, etc., will affect how we listen and take in the information. If we listen to a testimony with an attitude of disinterest, then we have already somewhere in our minds judged the testimony as having little value. Are we reading the Bible with the belief that it is telling us how to have a joyful and fulfilled life? Are we taking in the instructions as though they are correct and right? Are we testing ourselves for objectivity? How we judge a message is important, and testing the information to see if it is correct is also important. It's normal to sometimes disobey instructions from those who love us. This is how we are. Adam was given instructions by God, and he still disobeyed. You can't get any more direct than that. Why would Adam disagree with God? Does he think God is wrong? Does he think God is evil? I don't believe Adam was really considering God. It was just something in him. Perhaps curiosity, I don't know, but he still chose to disobey God. But just like Adam, we ignore instructions from those we know are right. And how many of us hear from our doctor not to do something, but we still do it anyway? Do we exercise, eat, and sleep as medical science says is good for us? that we know is good for us? 
Many of us find ways to ignore truth we know is good and follow evil because we believe it is easier or will be more comfortable. Our minds tell us so, so it must be right. The problem exists within our thoughts and are choosing to believe those thoughts. If we do not address our thinking errors through testing them, experience the good truth, then we will have little chance of growth. Imagine if we exercised, ate, and slept as a medical society prescribed. What would that be like? The thing of it is, if we haven't done it, we can't imagine it. An addict told about sobriety cannot imagine what it is like being sober until they do it. It just can't be done. Being told about what it is like to be with God cannot produce the understanding of what that is like. We have to do it to understand. In order to experience God's goodness deeper, we will need to choose to apply God's character in increasing measure despite our own selves. Our minds will seek to persuade us away from such action because it does not understand how it is good and we must deny our thoughts telling us not to do it. In James 2.14-17 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does that profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Similarly, if we tell ourselves, God is good to me, but do nothing God wants us to do, how can God's goodness grow us? God is about correcting and pruning. See John 15. If our faith is not obeying God's instructions, can that faith help us? If we had a trainer and did not do what the trainer tells us to do, how well will we be trained? So let's look now at our own testimony. We can only take someone as far as we have gone. We can only teach people what we know. And we can only demonstrate what we can do. The testimony that matters is our own. Not what we say, but how we live. Remember, nonverbal communication matters most. Nonverbal communication is what our actions say. Our eye contact, our facial expressions, our posture, and how well we follow through with our actions and words. There is much to learn about nonverbal communication, but that's another podcast which I hope to get to in the future. Our actions speak louder than words. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 4-5. through 5. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Witnesses are a crucial piece of evidence. They have been used to prove cases for centuries. Our witnesses are Moses and the prophets, as Jesus so clearly pointed out. What good is a witness if we do not believe them? What good is our faith if we do not trust them? Perhaps the best teaching comes from experience. Every day I have a choice to live life the way I know life or to see how I can take a step deeper into God's instructions. Will I pursue peace and sincere love more or stay stagnant? 
Will I experience love, mercy, and forgiveness despite myself and how I see the world or not? Will I wait until things get bad enough or empty enough to change? And what if it doesn't get bad enough to change? One method I use is imagining myself on my deathbed thinking about my choices, choices today. How would I feel about what I'm choosing today? What would I have wanted me to do? You see, when we face death, there is no more chasing after material. We realize money and pride are not what bring fulfillment. In the end, we will hope to have others around us who love us. But if we do not participate in love and with love in our lives, we likely won't have it. For me, I need to be trained more with love through practicing it. So with that, the next podcast series will be on what God says we need to do to grow love within and around us. Thank you for listening and God bless. Mm-hmm.